Prescriptive phase. The majority of individuals, while they may fully begin with intentions of listening, often quickly transition into the diagnostic and prescriptive phases. People are accustomed to solving problems and often listen with this frame of mind. Others, instead, focus on sympathy. Sharing a story of how we had to face a similar challenge is not much better. Nor is being quiet so a person will hurry up and finish. None of these are helpful responses to venting. Each reflects, among other things, a certain amount of impatience. When people are not listening, we can often see it in their body language. Michael Nichols, in his book The Lost Art of Listening, How Learning to Listen Can Improve Relationships, talks about the, quote, the automatic smile, the hit-and-run question, the restless look in their eyes when we start to talk, unquote. By such behaviors, our impatience becomes transparent. It often seems easier to solve other people's problems rather than our own. Individuals habitually say, If I were in your position, I would do such and such. Perhaps, maybe we would have solved the dilemma had we been in her place. Different personality types certainly approach specific challenges in predictable ways with likewise foreseeable results. For instance, some would not dream of confronting a friend, but instead would let an irritation fester inside. Others might have trouble keeping their opinions to themselves. Have you noticed that some of your acquaintances seem to repeatedly fall into the same types of predicaments, giving the impression they did not learn from the last episode? Each of us has different personality traits and skill sets that permit us to solve some challenges easier than others. Occasionally, of course, we think that we would have solved the person's dilemma had we had the chance to do so. Instead, when we find ourselves in the same predicament, we often feel just as unsure about how to proceed. On the way home from a father-daughter date, I asked one of my daughters if I could give her some free advice. I certainly don't plan to pay for it, she quipped. On another occasion, a young woman came to see me. Sophia could not perceive how giving the cold shoulder to Patricia, who had been her best friend at the university, was not only a cause of pain to her friend, but also a way to further escalate the growing conflict between the two. I no longer speak to Patricia when I see her, Sophia began. Her cold attitude towards me really hurts. She never greets me. When she tries to come over and speak to me, I pretend I haven't noticed her and look away. How do you expect your friend to act in a warm way toward you if you give her the cold shoulder when she tries to speak to you? I inquired, stating the obvious. I should have instead kept that comment to myself. Sophia was upset by my counsel and avoided me for some time. A few weeks later, she came to see me again. This time, I listened empathically. It meant not stating the obvious, but rather being attentive while Sophia described, in full detail, the ache she was feeling, the history of the conflict, her suffering and hopes. Sophia felt heard and was able to take some preliminary steps towards resolving her challenge. Our effectiveness as a listener is often lost if we solve the problem before the person we are attempting to help does. 
Some try to unsuccessfully disguise their advice-giving tactics through such questions as Don't you think? Or Have you tried? Alaya is very concerned about her grown daughter and has been openly disclosing her worries with her friend Shanice. Let us listen in on their conversation. These are the problems I have with my daughter. I want to seek her out, try and speak with her, try and have her understand, but she does not mind me. I simply don't know what to do. I feel incapable of helping her. If you would get her professional help, would she go? Um, as I was telling you, she doesn't mind me. When I try and speak to her, give her advice, then she changes topics. That is the problem I have, that I seek her out, but she does not mind me. Alaya considers Shanice's contribution a distraction and momentarily loses track of what she was saying. Alaya, however, takes control of the conversation once again. Because Shanice has been showing empathy to this point, Alaya forgives the interruption. There will be times when people seem to be asking for a solution, such as Alaya's comment. I simply don't know what to do. I feel... Perhaps they will even ask for advice. What should I do? The listener ought not to rush in with a prescription. It is worthwhile, at least, to say something like, So you're really unsure of how to proceed. If the individual continues to ask for suggestions, we can then help them explore options. At a listening skills workshop, John one of the participants had shared some concerns facing his enterprise. Our top supervisor seems quite unsure as to how to proceed with such a delicate issue. John explained. He simply does not know what to do about these two guys who will not speak to each other. After a while, I stopped the roleplay to give the listener some ideas on how to keep John talking. John interrupted to say that he did not want to play the listening game. He simply wanted a solution. This was, after all, an ideal opportunity for me to illustrate some vital points. When workshop participants listen to people with real hardships, everything they have learned so far often flies out the window. Rather than analyze the quality of the listening, participants are all too often ready to suggest additional solutions. It is not difficult to obtain, as the saying goes, three opinions out of two persons. Seminar participants were permitted to go around the table prescribing solutions, but not before being warned that they were entering the prescribed phase, which I have labeled red for danger. Suggestions started flying. What I would do instead is send them into a room on their own and talk the issue until it is... It soon became clear that despite John's request for a ready-made solution, these suggestions were irritating him. John admitted that he would have preferred to continue to think aloud with the support of the class participants. Sympathy is quite different than empathy. It often springs more from our desire for normality than for helping someone. One of my favorite illustrations comes from Alfred Benjamin in his book The Helping Interview. Quote, when Lucy said, I'll never get married now that I'm disabled. What did you do? You know you felt terrible. You felt that the whole world had caved in on her. But what did you say? What did you show? Unquote. 
If Lucy was your 17-year-old daughter, niece, or younger sister, I often ask, what would you like to say to her? Some of the most frequent responses include, Your internal beauty is more important than your outward appearances. I still find you beautiful. Modern medicine can work miracles, and perhaps you can recover beyond expectation. If a young man cannot see your beauty, he is not worthy of you. Alfred Benjamin continues, quote, Did you help her to bring it out, to say it, all of it, to hear it and examine it? You almost said, don't be foolish. You're young and pretty and smart and who knows, perhaps, but you didn't. You had said similar things to patients in the hospital until you learned that it closed them off. So this time, you simply looked at her and weren't afraid to feel what you both felt. Then you said, you feel right now that your whole life has been ruined by this accident. That's just it. She retorted, crying bitterly. After a while, she continued talking. She was still disabled, but you hadn't gotten in the way of her hating it and confronting it, unquote. In my opinion, it is not about withholding comments about the beauty of the young lady or about how much we care about her. Many of these comments may be shared, but later, after Lucy feels truly heard and does not have more to say herself. There are numerous ways we discount the needs of others, even when we think we are being good listeners. For instance, we may attempt to share our own story of loss, disappointment, or of success before the individual has had the opportunity to be heard in his story. We may somehow feel that sharing our own story is proof that we are listening, but instead the other person feels we have stolen the show, Nichols explains. Once again, this is not to say that there is no room to share our story with others, but rather, we should hear them out first. Some individuals confuse empathic listening with being silent. First attempts to listen empathically are often betrayed by facial and body language that say, Be quiet so I can give you advice. Have you ever tried to speak to someone who is silent and gives no indication of what he is thinking? We do not know if such a person has lost interest or is judging us. When people have deep sentiments to share, rarely do they expose their vulnerability by getting to the point right away. Ordinarily, the topic is examined through increasingly constricting circles. We may also compare it to an iceberg. Only an eighth protrudes to the surface while the rest remains submerged, buried, under the surface of the ocean. When someone says, I'm worried because I haven't got very much sleep in And another responds, don't worry so much. The worried person does not cease to be concerned. Rather, it becomes clear that the apprehension cannot be safely shared with this individual. Likewise, when a person proceeds to give a suggestion before understanding the situation, individuals will frequently pretend to go along with the proposal simply to get rid of the problem solver. 